us to, to, to give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Lord, a heart to, to know and understand what you're saying to us this morning. So, Father, we praise you this morning. We give you all the glory. Come on, everyone, said, Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hey, well, what a great series. If, if you are, maybe if you've been away the last couple of weeks, well, we've been doing a series called Cautionary Tales. Uh, and, and this is the, the last week of that this week. But, but we've been looking at some Bible characters who didn't finish well. You know, so often in, our, in the Bible, in the Word of God, we, we, we look at characters of the Bible who've done some amazing things and they've finished well, and, and that's so good. People have faith in there. And, uh, but this whole series has been about how we can learn from the mistakes of people who didn't finish so well. Uh, and that's been a really challenging uh, series. Uh, I don't know if you've felt that, but I, but I have. I know we talked about Judas last week and, and Absalom. And, and maybe if you were away, you can uh, get online or you can just get into your Bible, look up those stories, read through those stories. And, uh, and just to, to, to check out, you can also watch it on, on, on our Facebook page as well if you did miss it there. But today, uh, today we're going to be looking at King Saul, uh, another character in the Bible who, who started off really, really well, but didn't kind of finish uh, too great uh, in the end. But here's the thing. So one of the biggest things that Saul struggled with was pride. So today, it's so exciting. We're going to talk about pride today. Uh, and, and this afternoon, there's only one place you're allowed to be proud, and that's of our team playing this afternoon. But otherwise, there's no proud, proudness of being allowed to play, okay? But here's the thing. No, people didn't get that. Did no. Here's the thing. Uh, we, we, know, we know as a young fella, we know as a young fella, I have two older brothers, uh, and, and they were quite a bit older than me, and this one day we were down at the local tennis courts playing uh, tennis, and, and, and we had quite a few games there, and when we were about to go, uh, we were leaving the tennis courts, and, and my two older brothers saw that there was a wire fence there, uh, and, and as brothers were, there's a bit of a competition going on there, and, and my oldest one said, I can jump over that easy. So, so he went and did that. He, he kind of jumped over this way, and then he come back and jumped over that way. And, and then my next brother, not to be outdone, there's a bit of, I can jump higher than you. No, you can't. Yes, I can. I can do this. I'm a better jumper than you are. And there's like all this competition going on there. None of them were going to back down. None of them were going were gonna to lose to the other one. And, and so my second brother decides to, to jump it. So he's lining it up, and he, he runs up to the fence like that. And he was doing so well until that point. Uh, just until that point where, where you're about to take off and get at some altitude to get over the fence. And as he's putting his last foot down, he kind of slips. Uh, and he kind of falls over the fence. Uh, and he's kind of straddling the fence with the wire going this way here. Uh, and because he didn't get the altitude to go over, just slipped and kind of fell over the fence. And, but that wasn't actually the biggest problem uh, that he had. Uh, the biggest problem was that it was a barbed wire fence. Uh, and so, so uh, he got off there really fast. He got off there really, really fast, but he wasn't going to give in to my brother. And, and to this day, he still has a couple of holes in his bottom because of that. A barbed wire fence. We, we said he should come to church next day and get somebody to lay hands on him, pray for him, but he didn't. He was too scared to. But here's the thing. They, they weren't going to give in at all. And, and I, I think you're the same as, as me at times. We're, we're all the same. Where there's, there's, there's attitudes or there's, there's things, there's, there's behaviors. And, and maybe there's the impression of, of who we are and how good we are at things that, that, that kind of makes us proud sometimes. And sometimes we, we, we all have this problem where we, where we uh, overestimate our strengths. <laughs> and we're not too sure about our weaknesses. We underplay our, our weaknesses. And, and sometimes we, we, we come out there and we put ourselves out there. We're just a little bit proud. I, I know that's, that's something that we all struggle with at times. And, and Saul was just like that as well. Maybe it's, like, maybe it's times where we can do it on our own. 
we, we, don't, we don't need God's help to do this. And, and maybe sometimes God is telling us to do things, but we'll do it in our own time or we'll do it our own way. And that's, that's really part of what a pride is. So this morning, as we, as we look at King Saul, and um, uh, this morning, it's just a, he's a great character, but there's some real keys that we can learn here today. And, and, and he, here's a few facts about Saul. And he was the first king of Israel, and, and was, he was, had so much potential. He, was, he started off actually as a great king, but, but his story was one of pride and, and jealousy and, and, and corruption, paranoia. And, and he could have left such an incredible, uh, a great uh, legacy of that, but he let his pride get in the way. He let, he let his pride get in the way of what God wanted to do through his life, uh, and his life ended in ruins. See, he, he was the son of, of a guy called Kish. He was from the tribe of Benjamin, for you Bible scholars out there, and he came from a really wealthy family. He, he was tall, dark, and handsome, quite a bit like me, but he was dark and I'm white. Um, but but he, was, he was really handsome in appearance, and that wasn't a joke. You're not supposed to be laughing there again. That's a couple of weeks in a row you've laughed at me, everybody, with my hair and all that. You know. Okay, but the Bible says uh, there was not a man among, so focus again, there was not a man among the sons of Israel more handsome than Saul was. And he was taller than everybody else uh, in the all of Israel. He was God's chosen one uh, to lead the nation of Israel there, who, who the nation, remember, at uh, this time were just a collection of tribes. And, they, um, and outside of God, they didn't have a, a central leader or like a government kind of thing set up at that stage. And, and there was always the threat of war for them uh, at this time. And, and uh, they wanted to be like all the other nations around, to have a, have a king, to have someone that would lead them, especially in war and in battle, uh, just like the other nations that were around them. So, so the people of Israel, they come to the prophet uh, Samuel uh, and, and were asking and were putting pressure on them to appoint a king that would rule over them. And, and Samuel didn't really like the idea, but, but as you read the story, God uh, allowed it to happen. And, and you can read uh, further during this week, around 1 Samuel, uh, around the middle of 1 Samuel, you can read a whole lot more about Saul. But, but we're going to pick it up this morning in chapter 15 which was really a turning point in Saul's life. Uh, and it was really where God gave Saul some really specific and clear instructions. And, and God had told Saul he, wa- he wanted them to go out and attack this group of people called the Amalekites. And the Amalekites were, were a group of people where they were, they were been fighting for, for hundreds and hundreds of years. They've been enemies of Israel for hundreds of years. And, but, but God had said to Saul, Saul, I want you to go out I want you to take out that enemy. Uh, and, and God said, he gave him some real clear, specific instructions. He said, take no prisoners and take no livestock or animals. Take nothing with you. Uh, and God told Saul to go and do this. But before he goes into the battle, he needs to wait for the prophet Samuel to come and who would offer some sacrifices at that time. So God gave Saul these, these real specific instructions. But, but here's the thing. Saul decided that he had a better way to do it. He disobeyed. Uh, the instructions that God was giving him because he thought he had a better way of doing it. He thought he could do this better. He, he got impatient waiting for Samuel. He just wanted to get going. And, and so Saul decided, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make the sacrifice myself. I'm just going to get out there and do this my own way. So he goes off into battle, and, and, and yet the, the battle, he, they won the battle. And, but, but here's the thing, he kept the livestock, and he kept some of the animals, and, and he also uh, took, uh, spared the life of the king of the Amalekites. And here's the thing, here's the learning in this, is that in essence, Saul was practicing what we would call selective obedience. 
Selective obedience is when we decide that, that we know better than God. That, that selective obedience is when we say, I know what God wants me to do, but I'm going to do it my own way. Or, or selective obedience is when we say, uh, I'm going to do what God has asked me to do, but I'll do it when I feel like it and my timing and I'll do it my way. And, and that was really Saul's biggest, biggest issue. His biggest problem was, was pride and stubbornness. And, and when the prophet Samuel arrived on the scene to, to find a, kind of confront Saul about what had happened here and about his failure, he said this to the, uh, to the king Saul. And, and you can start in your notes from 1 Samuel 15, 22 to 23. And, and he said this, but Samuel replied, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. And for rebellion is like the sin of divination, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. See, here's the thing. What, what God was really saying was he, he's not impressed by our religious activities. God is not impressed with our selective obedience, and, and that is still really disobedience. And, and selective obedience is, is still a disobedience that just as partial. You know, like sometimes we can, we can do 50% of what God is asking us to do, and, and then we forget the rest, or we, we change our plan. And, you know, so, so God, partial obedience is still disobedience. Here's the thing. God's will must be done God's way. But I think one of the things that we all struggle with is this pride will always be in the way of what God wants to do through you. And it's amazing here, pride in the Bible was first mentioned in the book of Isaiah. Uh, well, actually, it was in the book of Isaiah, the first example of pride uh, is, is mentioned here. And, and in fact, uh, this event took place even before Adam and Eve. It's when uh, Lucifer, a great enemy, decided that he wanted to be like God. That his pride got in the way, and, and, and you might know this story this morning, that he got a one-way ticket out of heaven. It didn't work out for him. And, and, and Isaiah 14, it says this, and here's the great example of what pride uh, has done. Uh, Isaiah 14, 13, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit on throne of the Mount of Assembly on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. Now, there's two common words here that Lucifer keeps repeating in this passage. I'm sure you know what those are. I will. I will. I will ascend to the heavens, he's saying. He, he said, I will, I will raise my throne. I will sit enthroned. And, and, and that's what pride does. A pride says, I will do it my way. The interesting thing was that we have a great example of, of how Jesus did it in the Garden of Gethsemane just before his crucifixion. Uh, this is what he said. He said, not my will, but your will be done. See, pride says, I will. It's all about me. Humility says, not my will, but your will be done. There's an amazing story uh, that I read this week about two ships in the, uh, in the Black Sea, uh, two Russian ships that were actually off the coast of Russia in 1986. Uh, there were hundreds of passengers who died and because and their ships uh, collided and they sank. And, 
And as they did the reports on, on, on what happened, why did these two ships uh, crash into each other with a, a huge cost of lives? And, and, and they looked at all the technical things. Maybe the radar wasn't working or some, some of those mechanical issues, but there was nothing that they could find at fault. They, they, they looked at the weather conditions. Maybe it was really rough or there was lots of fog and, and it was clear and beautiful day. And, and what they come down to, the collision, uh, the, the collision happened because the stubbornness and the pride of the two captains. None of them wanted to give way to the other one. Uh, they were heading for this course, and, and I'm going to do this. You need to get out of my way. I'm the, I'm the captain here. I have the right of way. And the collision happened because they, they got so close that they couldn't pull out of it, and it was too late. And so the cause of this crash was put down to the pride and the stubbornness of two captains that caused the loss of many, many lives because of human pride. And, and, and the Bible is really clear. The Bible is really clear about the consequences of pride. We can read in 1 Peter 5, 5. It says this, that God opposes the proud, but favors the humble. Pride is, is a destructive thing. It has the potential to, to destroy many, many lives, and, 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 but especially in our relationships. And, and, and pride produces misunderstandings. These are in your notes. There's some great, great topics here that you might want to write some notes down uh, as we go along here. Pride produces misunderstandings. See, the truth is that pride blinds us from our own faults. Uh, pride, we think we know it all and we don't need to listen to others and pride calls us to presume things, to prejudge people or to even jump to massive conclusions. Uh, pride also provokes arguments. In Proverbs 13 verse 10, we, we read that pride leads to conflict, especially when egos bump against other egos. There is conflict. Uh, there's a great story um, about Muhammad Ali, and, and when Muhammad Ali was uh, the world's greatest boxer, the world that who ever lived, sting like a bee, and something else he used to do, and, and, and he, used to, he used to be a guy that would really push himself, and this one day, uh, Muhammad Ali is, is boarding a plane to, to go on a flight, and, and, and the hostess comes up to him and says, Muhammad Ali, sir, you need to, to put your belt in, and, and Muhammad Ali says to him, Muhammad Ali don't need no seatbelt, Muhammad Ali is Superman. At that, the, the hostess turned directly to him, Muhammad Ali, she said. She said, Superman don't need a plane either. <laughs> At that, Muhammad Ali put his belt on rather quickly. <laughs> he buckled up immediately. immediately. See, the truth is, hey, so the truth is when we're out there bragging about ourselves and we're boasting about ourselves that, that we're the man, we're the guy, it doesn't impress other people. It can just lead to arguments. See, pride also prevents intimacy. Pride uh, it builds walls around our heart and, and pride can, can stop us from uh, letting other people get close. And, and the real issue behind pride is, is this. I need you to hear this this morning. The, one of the real issues behind pride is this, is the fear of rejection. Because we think if people find out the real me, who we really are, what we're all about, that they might not just like us. Pride also postpones reconciliation. Mark Twain uh, said this temper gets in us into trouble but pride keeps us there. Temper keeps us in trouble, but pride keeps us there. And, and there are times where we just need to learn to eat humble pie. Humble pie. It may not taste delicious, but there are no calories in eating it. Eating humble pie is not fattening because it's very nutritious for our character. <laughs> Here's the first thing, everybody. To accept, uh, to deal with pride, I must accept my humanity. And you notes here, that's the first gap. Accept my humanity. Uh, Romans chapter 3, 23, for all have sinned 
uh, and fallen short of the glory of God. And, and that's great news. I, I find that great news for, for myself that we're all in the same boat. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. We've all made mistakes. We're all uh, imperfect. Romans 12 verse 3 uh, it says, don't think you are better than, than uh, you really are. Be honest. This is true. You need to check this one out. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Measuring yourselves by what? By the faith God has given us. See, all of us have strengths and weaknesses. All of us do. And, and humility is being realistic about your strengths and honest about your weaknesses. And see, that's what it means to be humble, to deal with pride. We must first accept our, our humility, our humanity, because humanity and humility, they go hand in hand. Uh, there, there was a great story about a politician, and I think it was, was in America, but, uh, but the politician uh, had just won this election, uh, and he'd been promoted into the parliament building and got his own office, and, and he, he gets up to his, to his new office after winning this election, and he finds his new desk, and there's, there's nothing on his desk except for a phone. Uh, so he kind of goes and sits at his desk, and, and, and as soon as he sits down, there was a man walks into his office, and immediately the new politician thought, oh, that's a reporter. Uh, so, so the politician, he picked up the phone, and he said, uh, yes, Mr. President, um, I, I'm glad that you, you liked my plan, and, and it was so good that it, it made a massive difference to thousands and thousands of people all over this country. He's talking pretty loud, and and he, he said, like, you, you, don't have to, you don't have to make a big deal with it. You don't have to you know, publicly thank me or anything like that, Mr. President, because just knowing that it's, it's made a difference to thousands of people has just been so, so good. That's what it's all about. And at that, he said, goodbye, Mr. President. Thank you for your time. And he hung up his phone. Immediately turning to the man who just walked into his office, he said, now, what can I do for you, sir? Uh, and the man said, oh, I've actually come to install your phone. We have to accept our humanity. Maybe your next step is this, is to be bold and brave enough to be authentic and real. To be authentic and real with God and with other people. See, we may, we may be able to fool some people, but we can't fool God. The second thing is this, to deal with pride, we must recognize God's grace. God's grace. And that means realizing that everything I have, my, my life, my, my, my job, my family, the, the things, maybe the possessions that is given us is, is all because of God's grace. Uh, and, and not misunderstanding that, that, that I have, that understanding that I have nothing to do with it. If it weren't for God, I, I would be nothing. I would have nothing. Corinthians 1, 4, 7 is such a great verse again, and it says this, that what are you so puffed up about? Pretty direct, some of these different translations, aren't they? That might be the Living Bible if you haven't got that one. Uh, so it says, what are you so puffed up about? What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if all you have is from God, why act as though you are so great? Yeah, okay, that's kind of like, you know, bringing us down a peg or two there. Why are you so, and as though you have accomplished something on your own. Church, I think, and just in our world today, that it is something that we, we, we have to understand that everything we have is a gift from God. You know, I, I think I just looked at, uh, you know, just what's happening in Indonesia there. We are so blessed to live here. We are so blessed here. Why, why on the other side of the world, there's crazy stuff going on, you know, tsunamis and earthquakes. And, and you, I don't know why. You, you don't know why, why does God allow some of this stuff to happen, these tragedies. 
I don't, don't understand it, but, but we're so blessed. That, oh, like, I, I think every day we should, we should wake up. We've got an incredible day on out there. Wow, that we get up every morning thanking God for his grace and his mercy. That, that the only thing that sets us apart from the rest of the world and some of the things that are going on is just by our postcode because God has blessed us or graced us that we live here. And, and I think some days we should get up and, and give him all the praise and all the glory more than what we've ever done before because sometimes we, we start to think and get this proud that, that we've got fantastic jobs, we've got money in the bank, we've got all this great stuff and that's fantastic and we feel like we've done it ourselves when God is trying to get us to understand that it's because of the things that he he gave you two hands so you could work he gave for some he gave you a mouth and understanding and intellect and and academic training that is all from God I'm sorry to say we can be put the hard work in and we give everything we can to whatever we're doing but first and foremost we have to understand every good gift everything is given from God come on it's true see God gave them to us everything we have we owe to God So James 1.17 says exactly that every good gift and perfect gift is from above. Now now today, maybe your next step, maybe the step for you is to remind yourself that it's not all about me and and to thank God for what he's done. but, But it is about what God is doing in you and through you. See, for others, maybe the, the next step or what God is really, uh, you're coming to a place is that to know his grace in your life. To know his grace, it's a grace that, that only he gives, even when we don't deserve it. We can't earn that grace. It's a gift that he gives to us. The third thing is this, is that we, uh, to, to deal with pride, we must fill our hearts with God's unconditional love. Band, you guys could come up just really quietly, that would be great. Here's the thing, if you talk to a truck driver uh, here today, he, he will tell you that, uh, he will tell you this, that an empty truck with no load on it and makes the most noise on the motorway. And, and also, if you were to talk to Tim, our drummer here after the service there, uh, he, he will tell you that if you, uh, he will tell you that the reason a drum makes noise is because of the empty space that's inside of it. Uh, if you were to fill it up, uh, it wouldn't make half of the noise that it makes. In the same way, pride indicates an emptiness on the inside. In the same way, pride indicates an emptiness on the inside. Pride has this, this need to make a lot of noise and to boast and to, and to brag. And the truth is, the greater the space, the greater the boast. Pride makes us feel like we need to do it ourselves and uh, that to put up a big front in order to look good in front of people. And we think people, maybe they won't care about us if we don't tell them how great we are or maybe we won't be noticed. And, and, and some, uh, sometimes we, we use it to all of this because it comes to the surface because of the emptiness that we're carrying inside. But listen to this. Listen to Ephesians 3 verse 18. It says, And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, that how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is his love. May you experience that love of Christ, though it be, is too great to understand fully, but then you will be made complete with all of the fullness of life and the power that comes from God. See, when we let God fill out the, the emptiness with his unconditional love, we have, we, there's no longer any need, there's no longer any feeling that we've got to go out there and run around the world to validate our worth to other people. We don't need to validate ourselves to, to others because, because we, we feel that we already are loved. 
See, we are, you are, everyone is unconditionally loved by God. I, I think it's something that sometimes we just struggle to grasp. That no matter what, He loves us. That no matter our past, that He loves us. No matter what has just happened five seconds ago, He loves us and He has grace for us. And, and, and we, we have to understand that to, to step forward into what God has for you and for me and for our church and for our community that is slowly going down a slippery slide, that He's calling and asking for people who will stand firm and strong and know, be confident in who they are. And they can do that when you know that you are unconditionally loved, that we're forgiven, that His grace is for us. See, just knowing that, that, it takes away that pressure of needing to promote ourselves. See, you don't need to brag. You don't need to boast. You don't need to drop names. You don't need to cover up mistakes or faults when you know that you're unconditionally loved. To deal with pride, we, we need to know that we are loved by God just the way we are. Come on, let's take a moment right here. Why don't you close your eyes where you are right now? This morning, maybe you're, you're here and, and there's something that has just resonated with you today. That it's, like, it's like you find you're in a, in a battle. Always trying to push yourself or trying to feel like you have to be noticed. And can I say today, just in, in these few moments right here before Denise comes back, come on, you open your heart say, God, would you fill me afresh with that unconditional love? Lord, Lord give, give me, uh, help me to understand how deep, how wide, how, how long that your grace is for me. Just right here in this moment, it's, it's between you and God. There's no one else in this whole auditorium. Just picture yourself here. Just understand knowing that God is with you that He loves you. Maybe you're here this morning and I want to give an opportunity for, for people to say yes to Jesus. Maybe that's your next step this morning. And you don't have to be perfect to accept Jesus as your Savior. You just have to be alive and breathing <laughs> because God's got a plan. He wants to pour His grace and His love on you and so this morning, maybe you've walked away or you've never, this is the first time you're in church and I'm gonna pray a real simple prayer. And, and, and if that's you, if you've got feeling like in your heart this morning that, yeah, I need to come back to God and commit the rest of my life to Him or, or maybe for the very first time, this is you. And so you just pray this real simple prayer after me. Just pray this, pray, dear Lord Jesus, I know that you love me. I know today that you've got incredible love for me. So today I come to you right now I ask for the free gift that you give. That Jesus, you would come and be my Lord and my Savior. I open the door of my heart right now. I ask that you would come in and fill me afresh. Fill me today. Lord, I want to step over a line and live my life for you today. Maybe why every eye is still closed if you prayed that prayer. I'm not going to embarrass anybody and not going to drag anybody out to the front or anything like that, but 
but I do want you to take a step if you prayed that prayer and you really meant it in your heart this morning and all I want you to do just while no one's looking around is just to quickly lift your hand up and down just so I can see and, and so we can be able to connect with you after a service thank you see that hand there you can pop your hand down anyone else this morning say you're praying saying yes to Jesus today you're saying count me in today anyone else this morning hallelujah Father today I, I praise you for everything you're doing and, uh, and for for just your amazing grace and your amazing love. And dear Lord Jesus, I, I pray that you would make yourself real clear, make yourself real known to us today. Lord, I thank you for this amazing church and these amazing people. Would you, would you bless each one today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Wasn't an awesome message this morning? Pride. Ooh.